Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bible. Who brought their Bible? Who's got a, who's got a paper Bible? Wave at me if you've got a real Bible. If you've got an app, then uh, just, I don't know. We're going to pray for you. But um, I want to look at, uh, I want to look at this, um, this story in Acts 1. And uh, I'm going to preach um, at verse 4, Acts 1, verse 4. It'll come up on the screen. And it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everyone say wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the earth. This is cool. Jesus has, has gone through the, 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 um, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus happened and, and he's been resurrected. And it says, if you look at this moment, this is, a few, this is a short time before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we know that happened in the upper room. But if you study this and look at this, you'll know that in this gathering, when Jesus is speaking to this group, this group there is quite a large group. They say there's about 500 people there, give or take. And, uh, and, and what happens is, if you know this story and you know what happens in the book of Acts, you'll know that when Jesus speaks to this group of people there, He's speaking to a group of the disciples that, that we know that, that the main regular disciples are there, but among them are all of these other people. And this is a powerful sort of moment where what Jesus says to them, He gives them instruction and He says, this word that I got you to repeat, which is actually an incredibly powerful word in the kingdom of God. And it's simply the word to wait. And Jesus says to them, I want you to wait because all of the great things you've seen me do, that has been awesome. And, and that has been a great time we've shared before, but something's about to happen that's even more powerful. And it's gonna be a greater thing that's gonna equip you. And we know he's talking about, and he shares a minute and, and explains it to them. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But what happens is it's interesting in this story, in this moment, when Jesus is talking to the group, as I said, there's about 500, but we know that when, when the Holy Spirit moves in the upper room, the Bible says that there is just 120 there. So think about that for a moment. Jesus tells, let's say a group, give or take of 500 to wait. But then when it comes to the upper room, that number of 500 has dwindled down to just being 120 in the upper room. Only 120 were in the upper room that received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And why did this happen? Simply because of this one tiny word, wait. We don't like to wait as human beings, do we? Come on, how many of you have gone through a drive through in the morning? to get your Starbucks and you order your double frappa mappuccino with a twist and cherry on top and an extra foam fluffy with a little something on top sprinkled through with an extra whatever with a dash of something. <laughs> and there's nothing more disheartening 
when they say, can you just pull forward into the waiting bay? You ever had that happen to you before? What about when, you're, when you have to wait? What about when you're at the gym and someone else is using the machine that you want to use? Six people here go to the gym. That's awesome. I'm so glad. So glad we've got a fit church. It's taking care of their body. That's awesome. Why is it that the person that's using the machine when you want to use it is the same type of person that feels the need to text 15 people in between every set? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're standing there. She's just sitting on her phone. I had to stand the other day as God is my witness. I had to pray and ask God for repentance. I watched this lady and she was on the treadmill. I've never seen a human being walk so slow in my entire life. It wasn't even a setting. You know how it registers? The speed is like one or two. Hers was point something. It was that slow. She's literally, she's walking on the treadmill while on her phone. Let me tell you something. If you can use your phone while you're working out, you're not working out. She's doing the equivalent of this. Her fingers were doing more working out than her legs were. While she's texting on the phone, there's nothing more frustrating than having to wait. Have you ever had to wait and watch your phone charge? Ever waited for your phone to charge? How many people, you look at it. Let me tell you something. Looking at that little battery sign doesn't make it charge any quicker. You pull it out and plug it in again. You ever done that? We don't, there's something about us as human beings is we don't like to wait. But I want to explain to you this morning because I believe what you do during the waiting time in the kingdom of God has everything to do with what you step into when what you're waiting for becomes available. See, that's what separated these disciples and that's what separated these men. 500 were told to wait, but only 120 made a decision that they were going to journey through the waiting game the right way and as a result, stepped into everything that God had for them. How do you navigate the waiting game in your life? Maybe you're waiting for that right spouse to come along. Maybe you're waiting for God to bless your business. Maybe you're waiting for the restoration in your marriage. And maybe you're waiting for God to restore your family. Maybe you're waiting for your healing or you're waiting for your miracle. How many people are here and we find ourselves so often, it's almost like no matter where we're at in our walk with God, we always seem to be waiting for something, don't we? But I want to explain to you this morning how important the waiting game in the kingdom of God really is. The waiting time can be either some of the most powerful time in your walk with God or some of the most difficult times in your walk with God, all based on how you manage the waiting game in the kingdom. Jesus said to them, wait. You know what the word wait means in the Greek? It means to wait. Some of you had your pen ready, hey, you were like, you were so excited, you're like, Pastor Ben's about to get deep here, here we go. Write that down, W-A-I-T. See, what we want is we want to look at it and we want to pretend like there's something 
greater. We want, it. we want there to be something bigger in it. We want to get stirred and pumped. But I want to tell you, sometimes when you're called to wait, you need to just do exactly that and just wait on God. What does the Bible says? It says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. What God is doing in the waiting game is bigger than you realise. It's a strategy, I believe, of the enemy to distract people and dishearten people. And the best window for him to get you is in the waiting game. Because that's when we're most vulnerable. That's when we're sort of looking for something to grab a hold of. That's where we're sort of looking for something to reach out to. We're looking for something to settle. And whatever the enemy throws in front of us, often we'll just grab a hold of. Why? Because at least it's something and I don't have to wait anymore. The amount of single people that I've seen settle for less than what God has for them. Why? Because they just got sick of waiting. You see a young girl and, and you see the potential and you see the call of God and, and you see the anointing and you see the destiny that's upon her life. But then you see her settle for less than what she's called to walk in. You've seen her settle for someone that's not on that same place where she is. You've seen her settle. Why? Just because the waiting period, what happened was the enemy presented an option that was less than, and because you were caught in the waiting season, you just grabbed a hold of it because you know what? Well, at least I don't have to wait. It's like someone, it's like going into Starbucks, pulling into the waiting bay, waiting there for your coffee and someone brings you another order. But you say, you know what? I'll just take this one because at least I don't have to wait. It's not what I ordered. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I'm into. It's not what I'm after. But you know what? I'm just going to take this and go just so long as I don't have to wait anymore. And I want to encourage you, especially single people here. I want to tell you what God has for you after the waiting season is worth waiting for. Don't settle. The thing about waiting The first thing that happens during the waiting time is the waiting game can build expectation. Waiting season, the waiting game builds expectation, but it's all dependent on how we approach the waiting season and that waiting time. You can make a decision to expect great things or to expect nothing. You can make a decision to be in a waiting season and just wander or just think, well, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know if he's even going to do it. You ever been in a waiting time so long that you begin to even question what it is that you're actually waiting for? Waiting time can almost, it's almost a dark place where you're looking for something to hold on to. You're looking for the first little glimmer of light. You're not sure, but if you're in the waiting game long enough, all of a sudden, little bit by little bit, the enemy can come in and you begin to doubt the very thing that you're waiting for. When I was a kid, I remember being about eight or nine years old. I've got an older sister and a younger brother and a younger sister. And as a typical you know, eight-year-old kid, I always looked up to my older sibling, my older sister, and I remember my older sister, she would have, you know, what we would call in Australia like sleepovers where all your friends would come over and stay the night, which was awesome for me at eight years old because I was so in love with all of my sister's friends. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, I'm talking about all the men here. So I remember all of my sister's friends would come over. You know what I mean? I'm eight, you know, I'm trying to strut myself and, you know, do my thing as, as an eight-year-old does. But I remember one night my sister 
had a sleepover and she's got all of her friends over. And I remember I'm in bed asleep and, and then all of a sudden they come into my room at night and my sister wakes me up and she says, Ben, there's a noise down the back of the house. Now, if my sister had to come into my bedroom like that and woken me like that just by herself, I would have pushed her away and said, go back to sleep, forget about it, deal with it. But because she had all of her friends there, I'm like, where is it? I'm eight years old, standing there in my pajamas in my bedroom. Hold me back, someone hold me back, hold me back. Something's about to get hurt. She said, we need you, Ben, we need you. Oh, my goodness. The greatest words to hear from a girl that you're in love with is, I need you to take care of this. I'm like... I got this. Did a few stretches. Got ready. My sister, this is a true story. As God is my witness, I was a deranged child. My sister went and got me a, a bicycle helmet. Now in Australia, they have really bright coloured bike helmets. You know what I mean? She puts this bike helmet on my head, buckles it real tight. It's cutting off the circulation to my face. And she gives me a cricket bat, which is like the equivalent to like a baseball bat. This is a true story, I promise to God. So there I am in my pyjamas, Cricket bat in hand, helmet on. I'm ready to take on whatever's down the other end of the house. I said, ladies, stay here. I got this. I start walking down the hallway into the darkness. Looking back at them like... The first corner, I turn around, turn around the first corner in the, in, the, in, in the darkness. They can't see me anymore. Now I'm in the darkness by myself, freaking out. And now I'm genuinely scared. And there I am standing there in the darkness, eight years old in my pyjamas with a cricket bat and a helmet on, just waiting for whatever it is to reveal itself. I don't know what I'm going to do when it does. All I know is I've got a cricket bat in hand and a helmet on my head and I'm just praying. Standing in the dark, on the outside pretending like everything's great, inside really freaking out, not really sure what's there. Not sure when it's going to come out, not sure what it's going to look like and not sure what I'm going to do. It's almost like a picture of how often sometimes we're standing when it comes to the waiting game in our walk with God. Often it's a silly picture and story, but often that's what we're like when it comes to waiting for the things that God has for us. Where it got expectation, but it's not expectation for the great things that are awaiting. It's actually an expectation in fear of what's it going to look like. What's God really going to do? How's He going to work it out? How am I going to do? I don't know what to do. There's an expectation, but it's not an expectation of greatness that God has in front of you. It's not an expectation of the great things that God has before you. You know, Caressa and I were expecting our first baby in November. And, and it's this exciting time. You know, pray for us. It's a, it's a season, you know, there's a lot of sickness, a lot of cravings, a lot of tiredness, a lot of mood swings. 
and pray for Caressa as well. But <laughs> some of you will get that on the way home. You'll be like, oh, that's right. But we, we went, we went and, and, and we had our first ultrasound. We went in, into, into the hospital. I'm so clueless when it comes to this whole procedure and everything. And so we go into the into the um, into the hospital, you know, and they do the ultrasound, and you, and you see the little you see the little little it's like a little gummy bear. This dude's like about this big. You see this little gummy bear up there. But then they they put the you hear the heartbeat. Um, dude's working hard in there. It's like I don't know what he's doing, but or she I don't know, but. And, and they, they give you, and then they give you what they do is they, they take that, and if you've ever done it before, they give you a photo. They give you a photo, and what we've done is we, we take the photo home. We've got the photo on the fridge, and, and I've got to hang on the fridge every time I go to get. I put my hand. I pray over. You know, it reminds me. I pray over our, our baby that's going to happen. But what it is is it's a picture of what to expect. It's a picture in front, even though. Even though it's, it, it, you can't even, you can't even sort of see or know how it's all gonna, but but it's a reminder, if you like, of what's to come. Let me tell you something: the Word of God is a reminder. Do you understand that the Word of God is filled with promises for your life? And if you are not yet walking in those promises, you got to get the Scripture and you got to put it on your fridge or put it in front of you as a reminder, I'm not yet blessed, but the Word says that I'm blessed. So that's the photo that I'm going to put in front of me and that's what I'm going for. I'm not yet healed, but the Word says I'm healed. So I'm posting that in front of me. My family's not yet restored, but I know it's a promise for from God, so I'm going to put it in front of me as an expectation of what is to come for my life. Expectation, it grows and builds during the waiting game. What are you waiting for? And again, what are you expecting? It's a powerful thing when you just declare over your life, I'm expecting the greatest things to happen. Sometimes I'll just wake in the morning and just thank God. Say, God, I thank you. Today is going to be the greatest day. I'm telling you, it sounds silly. It sounds stupid. And I'm not just trying to pump you up, but I'm saying it's powerful when you say, you know what? Today's going to be the best day I've had all week. Today is going to be the greatest thing. God's going to do a powerful work in my life. God's going to move. God's with me today. Thank you for how He's going to bless me. Thank you. He's going to guide and order my steps today. It builds its expectation. Do you expect God to move? You're expecting great things while you're waiting. Takes faith to live in expectation for great things during the waiting game. Because you can't see. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know where it's going to come from. You don't know how. But that's the nature of our God. God's great in the dark. God's great in difficult circumstances. He's great at creating things out of nothing. He's great at bringing things out of somewhere you never thought was possible. He's great at orchestrating things and setting things up. It's expectation. The other thing that happens during the waiting game is what the waiting game does is the waiting game has an incredible ability to transform character. Transforms 
character. Think of stories throughout the Bible. Think of David anointed to be king, but then doesn't go to the throne, doesn't go to the palace, doesn't even go to the battlefield with the rest of his brothers, goes back to the sheep to do what? The waiting game. And what God is doing during the waiting game of David's life, little does he know is setting him up because the thing that he learned, the very gift that he learned during the waiting game was how to use the sling. Not knowing that it was what happened in the waiting game that was setting him up for the victory on the battlefield. If he had have missed what God was trying to do in the waiting game, he wouldn't have known what to do on the battlefield. What's happening in the waiting game is God is strengthening and growing your character. Grows who you are. Grows your character, strengthens your character. Moses went through a waiting game, a waiting period. Moses is in Egypt. It's all happening. Dude's the man. He's the prince. It's all it's going good. But Moses is a little hot-headed. He kills that guy. Remember, he kills the Egyptian guy and gets banished. And, and, and he, he bolts. He takes off and spends some time out in the desert in a waiting game. Waiting for what's to happen, not even knowing what's to happen, not knowing what God's going to unfold. But all the time what God is doing out there in the desert is He's doing a work. He's growing character. He's building and growing who He is. There's a waiting game that waiting season shapes us and molds us. Joseph gets a dream gets a dream, he sees it, he gets a picture, he sees what he's called to do, he sees what he's called to walk in. But then what happens, not only does he go through the waiting game, but the greatest attacks of his life come during the waiting game. During the waiting time, he gets sold into slavery by his own brothers. He gets accused, we know the story, falsely accused. He gets imprisoned twice. He goes through this period of trial and, and period of darkness and period of difficulty during the waiting game. But it's the waiting game, it's the waiting season that does, develops and deals with our heart. Deals with our issues, works through us. He, do, he does a working during that waiting time and waiting series season. In Romans 5 verse 3, 3 to 5, it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation, what does it do? It produces perseverance. And perseverance, character and character hope. What is it? This all happens during the waiting time, during that waiting season. You see people, I see so many people when it comes to what they're called to do. A call of God. Call of God on their life. You feel like you got a gift, but that gift isn't being used, so to speak. I've seen people in church for so many years, you see different people that feel, I've got a call, I've got a call to preach. I've got a call, I'm anointed to sing. You see people, and then what people do is you see people, they're all, the ones that feel anointed to sing and called to sing are always the ones that are singing way too loud out in the sanctuary. You know what I mean? They strategically position themselves behind the worship pastor. During the worship songs, they're the ones that are like, glory, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Really what they're saying is, Jabin, will you hear me, hear me, hear me? To put me on the platform, because that's where I need to be. What they're doing is, listen, what the Bible says that your gift, your gift will make room for you. 
If you've got a gift and anointing, guess what? That gift and anointing doesn't need your help. You don't make room for the gift. The gift makes room for you. And what happens is people push, people push, push. I'm not being used. I'm not being activated. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And then all of a sudden they don't get the position. They leave and go to another church and then say, well, no one noticed my calling. No one noticed my gift. Now they're at this church. Now they're pushing. Now they're behind that worship pastor, singing their little heart out, going for it, trying to get position to do that. And then they get burnt there and then they go to the next church. And all the time, what God is trying to do is to cause you to just stop and wait. Because what God is trying to do is He's trying to grow your character here. So when you perhaps do, if you do have a calling to be singing here, when you're here, it's not going to be about you because God's done a work in your heart and journeyed you through it and grown your character. So when people look at you on the platform, you've got the character to give God glory. What God does during is during the waiting game. During the waiting season. I love this. This story is an awesome story. And it's in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. And it's the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it says, um, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the uh, division of Abijah. His wife was a daughter of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. They're doing good. They're not sinning. They're not messing up. They're doing good. Righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Blameless. Look at this. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was. So they're in this season of waiting. Just because you're in a waiting season, it doesn't, it's not a punishment from God. It doesn't mean that, that, that you've done necessarily something wrong just because something hasn't happened. You can be living blameless, but God's doing a work for you, a work through you. And what it says is, so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw this, he was troubled and fell, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. What it says is, it says while, while Zacharias is in the waiting season, it doesn't say dude is whinging and complaining and bickering and upset with people and upset with God. No, no, no. It says he's in a waiting season, but he's serving in the house of the Lord. And while his servant in the house of the Lord, the angel shows up and says, your waiting season is over. I'm about to pour out the promise upon your life and your wife is gonna bear children. I wanna tell you, one of the greatest things you can do during the waiting season is serve. Serve. You, we had Pastor Alex and Henry Seely here a few weeks back. Got a phenomenal church doing absolutely incredible things in Nashville. A church called The Belonging, you heard about it. They started the church from a Bible study of seven people, now 2,000 people in less than three years. God is doing, it's a, an absolute move of God. And I was talking with Henry about it and, and, and they're phenomenal musicians. They're in a music town, Nashville. 
He has every second person I preached there last year, every second person in their church is a professional musician. I mean, I'm being that seriously. All of the big, big movie music stars, music talents have been and go regularly attend their church. But Henry said something to me. He said, I said, what's been the key to the, the and one of the touches on that church is praise and worship. I said, and what has been the key? And he said, let me tell you something. The greatest talent musically is not on the stage in our church. It's out in the audience. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Don't, doesn't matter who it is that comes. They'll come, they'll organise to meet with me and they'll say, hey, I've got this Grammy and I've done this and I've written this song. And he says to him, right, where would you like to serve in church? He has people that have won Grammy awards doing the parking lot at their church. Because he says, you know what? I don't care what your talent is. I want to work on your character. And your character is not ready for the pulpit until you make a decision. You're going to serve just as great out in the parking lot as you would up there on the pulpit. And that's what creates such powerful praise and worship. What God is often looking for and what the anointing is attracted to is not gifting, but it's the right heart and the right character. He grows your character. During the waiting game, we wrestle it, we wrestle, we fight. We, he grows character. He's, he does a work in your hearts during the waiting game. The other thing about the waiting game, and we'll begin to wrap up in the next few minutes. The waiting game, it builds patience. It builds patience because the thing was about this in Acts was they were waiting for something. He told them to wait. And we know the story says you wait because what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for something that they could not do on their own. And you can get impatient, try and orchestrate something, try and generate something. But I want to tell you what God is going to do is only God that can do it. And if you would not resist the waiting game, if you would not resist the waiting season, God will release and God will release something on your life and He'll do it supernaturally. I made this decision when, when I was single and I talked earlier before about it and a lot of you know the story. I remember making this decision. You know what? I'm not going to try and orchestrate this. I'm not going to try and make this happen. I'm not going to try and... Um, you, you know, and you know my story. I didn't date for 10 years in ministry, didn't, didn't pursue any girls, didn't what, because I made a decision because of the, 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 the world that I'd come out of and, and what I had, uh, had been involved in. And I made a decision when I got saved. I'm like, you know what, God, I, want, I need you to do this. I need you to orchestrate this. I need you to set this up. I need, I need you to do something supernaturally. And that's really what God did. And if you know our story and you know it's, 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 a, it's, a super, it's something supernatural that only God could, could pull together, only God can set up. I want to tell you something. You've got to be patient during that waiting game. Don't get impatient. Don't start. Too many people, like what I said, I see too many single people sell out and settle for less than what they're called to do just because the waiting game got too hard. How you journey through the waiting game has everything to do with what you focus on. Some of my greatest encounters with God happened when I felt the loneliest. And I remember going to places and preaching 
and you preach at conferences and, and you feel like you're the man and it's awesome and you're pumped up and you go back and, and everyone's shaking your hand and hey, and you hang out with the pastors and you hang out with people after and people are around, but then you go back to an empty hotel room. And there were times, I'll, I'll never forget it. I remember walking in sometimes to an empty hotel room when all of your friends are married. Everyone around you is married. All your, sing, all your siblings are married, having kids. And you feel like, where are you stuck in a waiting game? But I remember it was in those moments when I would, be, I remember shutting the door at times to a hotel room and the, the enemy would come in and start to cause you to question, well, what are you doing? You're always going to be like this. So you're always going to be single. You're not going to get your breakthrough. Your family's always going to be messed up. It's been like that forever. Your business is never going to be really, really blessed. That's just a myth. It's not, you don't have the gifting. You don't have the ability. God's not going to do it. You're going to always be, be sick. You're never going to be completely healed. Listen to the lie. These are the lies that the enemy can speak during the waiting game. But if you would make a decision during the waiting game to put your eyes on Him, I'm telling you, you will have some of the greatest encounters with God during that waiting game. Where you say, God, I know it's not how I want it in the natural, but I'm gonna worship You. God, I know it's not where I believe it's going to be. And I know you've got greater for me and, and I know there's a promise, but until that promise comes to pass, until I see it into fruition, until I see it manifest in my life, I'm going to give you praise and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you whether it happens or it doesn't. I believe that's what you've called for me, for me to walk in, but I'm just going to give you worship and give you praise right where I am. Because during those times, what, what happens is that's where you learn. It's during the waiting game, during the waiting time. That's the way you learn what true worship is. It's easy to worship and praise when everything's great. It's easy to worship and pray when things are going good. When things are going the way you want them to, man, you can sing the praise songs. Sometimes you even jump. Give it a bit of a jig, you know. Get excited. But what about when it's not? Let me tell you, use the dark time to your advantage. Use the dark time. Use the, the waiting game to your advantage to say, you know what? I know I'm waiting for something. But I don't worship the waiting time. I worship Him. The last quick thing and then we're going to finish. is what the waiting season does is the waiting season establishes value in what it is that you're waiting for. I remember going to a restaurant in Australia that I love and looking at the, the menu. It's one of my favourite restaurants, really nice restaurant. They do great steak and food. And I remember going there, I remember looking at the menu and the first time I went there, they have this chicken on the menu and it has whatever it is. It says a slow cooked, whatever chicken thing. And then in brackets under it, it says it's a one hour, be prepared. It's a one hour wait for the meal to come. The first time I looked at it, I remember first flicking through the menu and I looked and I thought, one hour? Are you serious? And then I just start looking back through the rest of the menu but then I found myself going back to the chicken and I looked at it again and I thought, you know what? 
if it takes one hour, it must be good. Just because you're waiting a long time, sometimes the longer you've got to wait, the greater it is when you get it. Sometimes the, the greater the battle during the wait, the sweeter the victory is when you get it. And you'll be able to value. Listen, I remember saying to God, I remember praying and saying to God after waiting and being single for so long and saying, man, I'm going to know how to treat my wife when she comes because of the waiting time and the waiting season. I want to ask you this question and we're going to close. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What's the breakthroughs? What's the healing? What's the restoration? Some of you are waiting for peace. Some of you are waiting for joy. Some of you are waiting for blessing for your business, restoration for your family, restoration for your marriage. How are you managing the waiting game? Because I want to tell you, it's one of the most powerful seasons in your walk with God is what you do during that waiting game. Can we all stand to our feet right across this place? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.